Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Today we're in a series, the second part of a series called Check the Pulse, and today is part two. And guys, I'm just real quick. I tried real hard. I shared this with our staff this morning. I tried to pull off of the message, but I just couldn't pull off the message. It's kind of a strange message. You're going to find out here real quick to speak on Mother's Day, but I think it's appropriate for us all. It's, it's appropriate for us all here. But uh, the title of the series is called Check the Pulse. And Check the Pulse, I shared last week, is a medical term. It's a way to evaluate the relationships that we have in our lives, right? Like literally, physically, if you saw somebody passed out and, and they were in a strange way, a strange place, maybe you're walking down the sidewalk and they're laid across the sidewalk, you're thinking, this is odd, something must be wrong. Like you're gonna get their attention, you might reach down and shake them a little bit. Before too long, you're gonna be checking their pulse, right? to make sure that they've got a heartbeat and, and you're gonna be checking how hard that heart is beating, um, how regular that heart is beating. And so in life, not just in the area of relationships, but it is important that you stop and check the pulse in important areas of your life, relationships certainly being one of those, right? Because you can think you're doing better than you really are. Any men ever, ever, Been surprised with that one. My wife had asked me a couple of times, like, hey, hey, how well do you think we're doing? I'm like, man, great, wonderful. She's like, it's not that great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so sometimes we got to check the pulse because sometimes it's not that great, right? And, um, and I appreciate that. But the title to today's message is this, Beyond the Divide. Beyond the Divide, how people can go beyond their differences and resolve conflict and find common ground. Going beyond the divide. I heard one person say that conflict is like manure. It stinks really bad and nobody really likes to mess with it, but it's important for growth. And if you look at, at what fertilization does in the gardening process or the agricultural process, like like it's important for growth. And I'm just telling you this, as much as you want to try to avoid it, it is impossible to be in relationship with anybody, with any one person or any organization. Like if you think I'm going to join the church because all my conflict is going to go away, you're gravely mistaken. Gravely mistaken, right? But listen, conflict is important to growth. It's just like anything, when something is strained, a muscle is strained, it grows. I heard another person say it like this, that conflict is like a two-edged sword. You know what I mean? It exposes the problems, but if you don't handle it delicately and with wisdom, you can destroy the other person that you've got a problem with. So conflict is inevitable, and so the idea is that we learn how to manage it properly. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says this, don't be, and this is our key verse for the entire series, don't be so well adjusted, the Bible says, to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. The Bible says instead fix your attention on God. And, and it says this because it's so easy to blend into culture. It's so easy for you as a blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled saved Christian to deal with conflict just like you dealt with conflict before you had covenant relationship with the Lord, before you were even saved. And I'm just saying that your salvation should cause you to deal with conflict much differently than you dealt with it before you had a relationship with Jesus, right? How many of you know that you're not a Christian just in word, but you're a Christian indeed. Like your actions really show, it reveals that, 
that Jesus Christ is, is in your life. It says, instead of fix your attention on God. And I want you to know this, that God is, I don't know if you're paying attention, but God is really moving right now. A couple of exciting things happening. Number one, there are revivals that are these mini revivals that are just popping up all over the place, right? And, uh, and, and the idea, listen, I used to call them God chasers. I'm going to call them God chasers today. But the idea is not to run away where God's doing something significant and special and extraordinary in some other place. But the idea is to believe for that, come on, to happen where you're planted in the house of the Lord. Amen? Right? It's important to be planted. It's important to bring. It's important to believe that God's going to do something significant here. But I heard a very encouraging statistic the other day, and that was this, that upwards to 50, 52% of our teens, our youth, are, are, shifting from, are shifting from what culture is saying is the, is the norm. But now there's a, there's a pursuit within our young people to figure out what it is that God says about the problems that we have in our, in our world today. Amen? I mean, I was so encouraged by that. I was just, and then on top of that, you've got all of these political leaders and all of these actors and actresses and all of these influencers that, that have tremendous followers, whether it be on TikTok or YouTube or, or on primetime television, it doesn't matter, but so many of these people are coming, and they're professing Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior. Amen? So there's some exciting things happening in our world today. All the while, things are getting a little bit more cray every day, right? A little bit more crazy every single day. But good things are happening. Why? Because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It goes on to say that you'll be changed from the inside out. It says this, to readily, let me go back up, I missed my spot here. It says this, readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. How many of you know that the church is filled with people, not our church of course, but other churches are filled with people that know what it is that they're supposed to do, but are slow to do it, or they don't do it at all. My goodness, in the area of conflict, you don't have an option. Wes, we don't have an option. The only reason I said Wes is because you're one of the only people that are looking at me in my eyeballs right now. So we don't have an option to, to deal with things, you know, another way outside of God's way. Like that's our only go. I mean, you can, but it's the wrong way. And so you'll be changed from the inside out. Recognize what he wants and respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that always drags you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops well-informed maturity in you. So today on this wonderful Mother's Day, what we're learning is, is how to deal with conflict the proper way because there's no way around it. Ephesians 4.26 says this, and we're going to use this as an outline on how we deal with conflict. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And so it says right off the bat, be angry. Listen, I want everybody to pay attention here real quick. The Bible gives you permission to be angry. Many times, many times people think that anger is a sin. Anger is not a sin, right? Anger is something that we are told that, listen, because God has created you with feelings and emotions, there should be some things in this world that cause you to be angry. And for you to be passive and just kind of, you know, milk toast and wimpy and like that, that's not, that's not who God has created us to be, Right? Like, there should be some things that cause you to, to get a little fire burning in your belly, right? Because it's so wrong or it's so distant and, and we have feelings that God has given us, right? So the Bible allows anger. Did you know that? So the next time that you're angry about something, you know what I mean? Don't, don't rid the anger because the anger isn't your enemy, 
All relationships have conflict, and conflict sometimes leads to anger. But God shows us in this that we must deal with that anger. We must deal with that conflict in a healthy manner. Be a good spot just somebody to say, amen. See, conflict's not your enemy either. It's guaranteed. You can guarantee three things in life, death, taxes, and conflict. Probably a lot of other things as well, but conflict is coming. If you're not in it right now, you've probably just come out of it or you're getting ready to go into it. So it's coming, guaranteed. If you choose to do life, if you choose to do life with other people, you're gonna have conflict. And the truth is, if you choose to do life all alone, you're gonna have conflict because sometimes what you want to do and what God desires for you to do is very different. Somebody say conflict, right? And sometimes you got conflict within yourself. You don't even need another party. And so, just a side note, I was thinking about this this morning. Have you ever had so much conflict that you started fighting with somebody, and then let's just say it's your spouse, and then you're just fighting, 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 and maybe 30 minutes goes by, and you're wondering, why are we even fighting? How did this thing even start? You know what I'm saying? Has has that ever happened where you just push pause, and you're like, how did this begin? Must not have been that important, but it just kind of escalated out of control. And so anger is a feeling. The next thing it says is be angry and do not sin. So anger is a feeling with a line drawn in the sand. So it's like, listen, be angry. You got great permission to be angry. You just be angry all you want. But there's a line drawn in the sand. Like, go ahead, be angry. But don't cross over the line and, 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 and enter into sin. So it's saying be angry, but don't take actions out of your anger. And so what, is this, what does this look like? like? Like anger should never, it should never become physical. That even means young men punching holes in the garage wall. Or whatever wall jumps in your way that... Boy, that wall was at the wrong place at the wrong time. In fact, next time you do that, I hope you hit a stud. You know what I mean? That'll cure that. Happy Mother's Day. I've had to patch a couple of holes. That's why I'm a little angry about it. It should never lead to screaming. You should never lose control in your anger, right? I was having a conversation just a couple weeks ago about somebody who said, man, I just got to remove myself because I'm afraid what's going to happen if I remain in the conversation. And I was that person's Holy Spirit for a second, and I said, listen, one of the gifts of the Spirit is self-control, Anytime that you allow somebody else, come on, to have that much control over your life, they control you. The Holy Spirit no longer controls you. Are you, you know, do you have, and listen, for some people, while you're still, you know, getting your, your, your legs, walking with God, you know what I'm saying? Like, leave. But man, oh man, if you're a man of God or a woman of God and you've walked with God for a long time, you should be able Come on, to have a conversation with your spouse without losing control. Amen? So, be angry, but do not sin. I remember I had a, I think it was a 1969 Chrysler Cordoba. She was about 32 feet long. She was white. She had hot red leather interior. Everything was power, and it worked. You get that baby going about 50 miles an hour, and it felt like she left the ground because she just started to float. I lived in McNary, Oregon, a little, little suburb right outside the, the large city of Umatilla, Oregon. And we lived on a, 
on a, on a, on a road that you had to, there was only one way onto the road. You had to turn left on the road, but there was this little hill. There was a little hill that went up to a spot where you could overlook McNary Dam. Golf course is on the right-hand side. One day, I had a bunch of my friends in the Chrysler Cordoba with me. And I thought, boy, I'm going to show them what this baby can do. It's big, but she can turn on a dime. And I came up to that, that corner. It was a 90-degree corner. And I thought to myself, inside, I was like, watch this. And I just punched that, that pedal to the metal, and I cranked the steering wheel. And I started to, I pitched that Chrysler Cordoba sideways for about three seconds. And then... It went too far, and I overcorrected. And right diagonally, right across from me, there was this field, an open field. Thank the Lord there wasn't a house there. But there was a curb that was about a foot tall. It was a big curb that separated that field from the road. And I hit that about 40 miles an hour. And I hit it so hard, that big Christ, that tank of a vehicle, I believe we caught air for about a second. And I blew out all four tires. All four of my tires were blown out. And immediately I thought, I got to come up with a story. <laughs> I had four of my best friends in the car with me. And I began immediately say, listen, this is what happened. See that hill right there? Somebody was coming over that hill too fast. And I had to punch it as to not... You know what I mean? Get hit so that I could save your lives. And then I just hit it too hard, lost control, and that's why we're out here in this field. And I had a plan, and everybody was like, yeah, that's so good. But one thing I didn't realize is I had an informant in the vehicle with me, Dane Gardner. Dane, if you're watching, I'll never forget this. Dane went on to be an Oregon State Highway Patrolman and just retired, just retired last year. And so he had it in him from a young age to tell the truth. Well, I didn't realize that Dane was going behind the scenes and having some conversations with my dad. And so I'm bold-faced, lying to my dad, and I'm surprised because dad wasn't one to always keep his his emotions in check, but he did this time. He just let me, you know what I mean, swallow that hook deeper and deeper until it was up in my guts. He was like, I don't believe you. I said, Dad, look at me. I'm telling you. He said, I don't believe you. You're grounded. He took my life away until... I was ready to come and, 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 and come clean. And I thought I could outlast him. I was like, Dad, man, I approached him several, Dad, Dad, really, come on, Dad, look at me. You know me. He's like, I know you. <laughs> so one day I came to him and I said the whole story and I got my life back. And one of the beautiful things about this is, is and, and he wasn't always on point, like this, but one of the beautiful things about this is I was surprised at how well he handled me lying right to his face. And he could have handled that in such a different way. And I'm sure that with my big, bold stories, that sometimes it was very difficult because he knew all along what had really happened. But I'm grateful for that. And I'm still alive today because of it. The Bible goes on to say, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And so what this is saying is, is to deal with the conflict that you've got in your life in a timely manner. We were in our pre-service meeting and Brianna, she said, she said, deal with the situation while the situation is small. I thought to myself, man, that is so good. Get it handled. Do what the Bible says. Get it dealt with before the sun goes down. You know, there's nothing worse than waking up with a problem that, that was yesterday's problem 
because you didn't deal with it yesterday. How many of you know that today is going to have its problems of its own? And so now we got yesterday's problems and we got today's problems. And some of y'all have problems that you haven't dealt with that are years and years old. And it just stacks up and it stacks up and it stacks up. And I'm not saying that this is the reason, the main reason, but it's very possible why mental health is such, has such a stronghold and is destroying so many people's lives. It's possible that one of the reasons could be because we do not deal with conflict in a healthy manner. Healthy conflict is conflict that is resolved, and it's resolved quickly. Let me just say that again. Healthy conflict is conflict that is resolved and is resolved quickly. It's like a balloon. If I was going to have Pastor Javi come up here and just blow up this balloon, I won't have you do that. But if I was going to have him blow up this balloon and just keep blowing and keep blowing and keep blowing, there's going to be a point where, where he puts just one little breath of air into the balloon and the balloon can only hold, it can only expand so much and the next thing you know is that balloon is going to blow up right in his face, potentially causing injury to him and anybody else that's around him. This is what happens when we don't deal with conflict and we just kind of press it down and we press it down and we press it down and we think that this is just going to go away. It's never going to go away. It's literally just going to become a poison that has the ability to destroy you from the inside out. In the same way that the Spirit of God has the ability, Joe, to change a person from the inside out. Come on. Not dealing with the problems in life that we have can destroy you also from the inside out. So my question is this. Are you ready? Everybody pay attention. My question, how many broken or irrepar uh, irreparable relationships do you have? How many relationships do you have right now where there's a problem in the relationship? Maybe you haven't spoken to somebody in a period of time and you're just thinking that this is the best way to handle it. I can promise you it's not. No relationship also is, I want you to know this, that no relationship is disposable. There's not any relationship in life that is disposable. After all that we have done to Jesus, he didn't toss us out with the trash, right? He didn't dispose of us. Like, like you may not say this, but I'll say this. He very well could have, and in most people's minds, he should have just discarded me in the trash but he didn't. And so he gives us a tremendous example to live by that there's no relationship that is a disposable relationship. Amen? And I'm not saying that, that you don't have to have boundaries and things need to take place. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying just get over it. But I am saying that you should be working towards reconciliation and restoration. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 11 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. What does the Bible say? Oh, my goodness. Does it really? Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. That says, I, oh, my goodness. Strive for what? What? Are you kidding? You mean I can't just, just sugarcoat it and just say, hey, everything's just fine and things aren't fine? Oh, what does it say? Strive what? For full What? Restoration, to restore something is take it to the place of it being new once again. Amen? Wow. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So strive for full restoration. Don't go through the motions. Don't just say the right things. But listen, you know what this needs? It requires, you know what it requires? It requires the engagement of the heart. Because anytime that you just say the right things and do the right things with the heart disconnected, that's no different than self-help. See, but there's something powerful that happens when you allow God to heal the heart, then you're in a place where you can strive for reconciliation. But I'm telling you that God's got to do a work here before the work will be done here. 
My question is this. Are you ready? Lean in. Listen. I need your attention. Do you trust God to heal your heart? Do you trust him to heal your heart? I mean, there have been some nasty things done to you. Hard things done. People have said some stuff about you. They have, they have told you that you could count on them. And then they were nowhere to be seen. Do you trust God to heal your heart? Is it possible? Because it's only then that you can strive for full restoration. Amen. Joseph, the son of Jacob. Jacob, the son of Isaac. Isaac, the son of Abram, which his name turned to Abraham. Last week, if you weren't here, check it out. Abram was the son of Terah. Spent the whole message last week talking about this family. This, you think you've got a dysfunctional family? You think you got drama in your family? Study Abram's family. Yeah, that guy, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them, and so are you. Study that dude's family out. You're going to find more drama than whatever the most popular soap opera is today. You're going to find more drama than, than, than any other drama out there is by looking at this family. I used to tell Tina that there's no such thing as, as a normal family. And I would just be like, look at your family. That's a perfect what I'm saying. And I'm sorry if you're watching. But she would say, instead of looking at my family, look at your family. I said, touche. Okay. We're all a little bit crazy, Right? But I'm telling you this, there's drama, there's, it, it's unhealthy, there's deceit, there's betrayal, there's favoritism, there's anger, there's infidelity, there's jealousy. So Joseph, his problem started because he was the favorite of dad. And guess what? When you're the favorite, there is a breeding ground for jealousy. And so the, the brothers were just like, like, listen, we'll show this guy, they see him, you, you read the story, but it got so bad, their inability to deal with conflict got so bad, they take this favorite son, they throw him into the pit, and their initial plan was to kill him. There was one brother that stood up and said, no, no, no. Feeling bad, a little bit bad probably. He said, listen, why don't we make some money off of him? And they sold him into slavery. This is your Bible. And so you might relate you might be here today and you're like, listen, yeah, I've had people that should have had my best interest, that should have cared for me more than anybody else, and they, they treated me worse than my enemies treat me. And guess what? That digs hard. It hurts hard. We've shared life together, and it hurts. It hurts. So here Joseph is, and he's, he's a slave. He's 13 years in Potiphar's house, 13 years Works his way up to a pretty good position. Has the favor of Potiphar. Why? Because he continues to keep his eyes on the Lord. And then Potiphar's wife accuses him of wanting to, uh, of, of wanting to do, do things that, that should have been Potiphar's things to do. And so she accuses him. And next thing you know, he's thrown into prison. For something that he did not do, and then he's forgotten. But he continues to keep his eyes on the Lord, and so he's elevated into the prison, and he's interpreting dreams. And, and, and next thing you know, Pharaoh has some dreams, and, 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 and then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? There's a remembrance of this guy by the name of Joseph that was in prison that could interpret dreams, and he comes and he interprets the dreams. And next thing you know, he's elevated to second in command over the kingdom of Egypt. Why? Because he's kept his eyes on the Lord. And then all of a sudden, and I want you to know this, that Joseph the entire time has done nothing wrong and he's done nothing different. He has been faithful and he's been consistent. Some of you might also be able to relate with this. I've done nothing wrong. I've been nothing but consistent. But yet you've got this conflict. It doesn't remove your responsibility 
to deal with the conflict even if you think you were perfect in the whole situation. Follow Joseph. It's called the way of Joseph, which you're going to end up here leads to the way of Jesus because Joseph was a foreshadowing of what was to come. So famine hits. Do you guys remember last week I was talking about Haran, the son that had died, and then all of a sudden they're leaving Ur of the Chaldeans to the, to the promised land, the land of Canaan, but they had to also pass through Haran. Haran is a place of pain. The same thing happens here. So the famine hits. Joseph is second in command. Everybody's hungry. The pain comes for the food, which is his brothers, the same brothers that threw him into the pit, the same brothers that wanted to kill him, the same brothers that mistreated him. Now Joseph is dealing face-to-face with the brothers, face-to-face with the pain. You can never go on to healing without facing your pain. You will be stuck in Ur of the Chaldeans if you don't face your pain Doesn't mean you're not going to be saved, but do you really want to stay in the place of being stuck? The only way to get unstuck is to face your pain. The pain's not going to go away. It's always going to be there. It'll go away once you deal with it, right? The brothers come back. Joseph didn't want to see those jokers again. The pain comes back. He's like, oh, man, I've been doing so good, right? The pain comes back because he's got to face the pain. Sometimes you got to face the pain again and again <laughs> and again. No, 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 no. I faced the pain once. I did. I did it. I ain't going to do it again. Really? Your heart's not involved in it. Your heart's not connected. You might as well just have read a self-help book. Okay, got to move on. Ain't got no time. Genesis 50 and 17, the brothers come in. You don't have this on the passage of Scripture, but the brothers come in and say, listen, basically, can you forgive us? Joseph responds in 50 and verse 19. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You will receive, you'll, you'll see another passage of Scripture because that doesn't really make sense. Another version says, am I God that I can punish you? He's saying, listen, what right do I have to judge anybody? Uh, Warning tape. Warning tape. If you are quick to sit in a place of judgment of anybody, that same judgment will come back on you. It doesn't mean that you cannot see the fruit of what somebody is producing and say, hey, listen, you might, you might reconsider, and then listen, this is what's going to happen is people are going to be like, don't judge me, only God can judge me. Listen, I'm not judging you, I'm just telling you that the fruit that you're producing is showing me and everybody else that is spirit-filled, born-again believer that you're not being led by the Spirit of God in this situation. I'm not judging you, the Bible, His Word is judging you, right? And so, just be careful Just be careful in your heart. Watch your heart. Guard your heart. Check the pulse. All right. Joseph said, don't be be afraid. Am I God that I can punish you? How in the world was Joseph able to do this? He was able to do this because he had allowed God to do the work in his heart way before Haran, the place of pain, or his brothers showed up. You understand what I'm saying? Like God already did a work in here so that when he was faced with them that created all these problems, he was in a healthy place himself so he could deal with it healthily. Is that even a word? Healthily. Is that a word? Woo! Not making stuff up. I'll do that from time to time. Okay, I got to go quickly. To bridge the divide, number one, it begins with me. If you got conflict in your life, it doesn't matter what what area of responsibility the conflict is, you can never start with it dealing with that other person. You have to start, it deals with me. It starts, it begins right here with me. Wrote a little poem for you, are you ready for this? The choices that we make or flee determine what will come to be. One thing I know and see, my destiny often depends on me. 
I'll be back next week. <laughs> so starting here softens the heart, right? It softens the heart, gets the heart ready. Matthew 7, 3, it says this, why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, listen, let me take that speck out of your eye when at all the time there's a plank in your own eye, you're a hypocrite, First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, Joseph was able to look to God for only what God could do. Like there's no possible way that his brothers could heal his heart, his broken heart. So if he went to his brothers with an expectation, Bob, that listen, I need you to make right what you've done so that I can receive healing those brothers have no capability of healing anything. Healing is something that comes from God. Amen? And so Joseph was able to separate the person from the offense and get the healing that he needed from the only place that it could come from so that the offense could be, could be dealt with and, and healed and, and, and the relationship restored. See, the brothers couldn't heal the pain, and so... When God heals, the attention can then be shifted to restoration or reconciliation. So how do we start within ourselves? Number one, we start with prayer. Like, listen, you may have to set up boundaries in your life because that person is untrustworthy. Like, you can't just jump right back and give 100% like it was before. That, that's the goal. But listen, you also have to, you know what I mean? Allow the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, you know what I mean, to direct you in some ways. And sometimes there's boundaries that are set up as the healing process is, is, is furthering. And so, and so we pray, we pray. And when you begin to pray, you begin to see how God can change things. Number two is be completely honest about the situation. This is an important one that many Christians lie about the situation. Joseph didn't lie, and he didn't become overly passionate on how he addressed the pain, but he was very honest about the pain. What did he say? Genesis 15, verse 20, you intended to harm me. You know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't sugarcoat it, but he also didn't hype it up. He didn't say... You know what I mean? Just give a laundry list of things that was done wrong. But he did say, listen, you intended to harm me and that hurt, right? And he wasn't passive. A passive person says, oh, no, no, no I know you didn't. So, so, so if somebody comes to you and you're passive and they say, hey, listen, I really need to apologize how, you know, how I, I, this probably really hurt you. Mary comes to me and she says, hey, listen, I need to apologize to you. And I'm just like, oh, no, 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 it's totally fine. It's, you, I know you didn't mean it. And so you're not even putting into play the apology because you're passive and you just want the conversation to get over. Like, be honest. Say, yeah, that really did hurt, Mary. <laughs> that really did hurt. But, man, it means so much to me that, you, that you've come to me. And you know what I mean? I just, that really means thank you for that. You know what I mean? Thank you for that. She said, you're welcome. So we just had some healing take place right there. Now, so be completely honest. Number three is this. Look for opportunities. Come on to strengthen your faith. Jordan Torres said his grandfather told him a statement this morning that I think is just really, really good. And I, I'm going off of memory here, but... He said, still waters have never produced a skilled sailor. Still waters have never produced a skilled sailor. I'm like, ooh, that's a good one. Mental note, I'm going to share that. Come on, troubled waters, right? Going through difficult times in life produces skills that still waters will never produce. So he says, you intended to harm me. But what he was saying here is, look what God has done, not only for you, but if you hadn't have thrown me into a pit and I hadn't had, come on, Pharaoh's ear and all that garbage taking place, we would all be starving to death right now. So he was putting himself in the place of, of his brothers. Look what God has done through all of this terrible, all these terrible things that have taken place. Romans 8, 28. 
Don't need to say it, but we know that all things work to the good for those who love God and called according to his purpose. That means always all things work to the good. And sometimes you may not see it. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but it's absolutely true. So Joseph was anchored. No matter his feeling, he knew that God was there. I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that. I ain't got time for that. Joseph's brothers are worried. They come to him. They're saying, hey, listen, can he forgive us? Is it even possible that he forgives us? Genesis 50 and 21, Joseph says, don't be, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. He reassured and spoke kindly to them. It's radical, right? Like, how in the world can he do this? We already shared that God had already done a great work in his heart. But I want you to know this, that whenever we choose the Lord's way, the Lord's way always ends in freedom. And that's my point number four. When we bridge the divide, when we have separation between us and another, and we say, I'm going to bridge the divide. I'm going to check the pulse. I'm going to start with me. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to pray. I may have some boundaries, but I'm going to do what I can do. Then what you're going to find is it's going to set you free. And if you fail to do these things, it will be a poison that brings your life to an end sooner than God's original plan for your life. I promise you. And it will disrupt many other relationships in your life as well. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, the Bible says, but overcome evil with good. How does being overcome with evil, what does that look like? This person hurt me. This person hurt me. Man, the whole day, all you can think about is this person hurt me. You go to bed, you've got insomnia because this person hurt me. You wake up, it's there the next day. This person hurt me. Everybody else is hearing about how this person hurt me. You lose the next day, you lose the next day, you lose the next day. Some of you lose the rest of your life. Why? Because this person hurt me. And all along, you know that if you're ever going to be in relationship with somebody, you're going to have conflict. And conflict often means that somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get hurt. But how do you deal with it? Do you deal with a bound? It's like, this is the end game for me? Or do you, do you trust God? Do you you know what I mean? Do you pursue God? Do you ask God to lead and direct your steps? And it leads you out of that place of imprisonment. You know what's crazy is, is Joseph spent some time in prison, but he came out from that place. And once again, he didn't do anything different than he had already done. He was consistent, but bad things happened to Joseph. And guess what? That shows us that you can be consistent and things are going to happen to you that you never signed up for, you didn't want. But God's saying, listen, I'm going to be with you. We're going to get through this. It may feel like you're in prison for a moment, but I'm there with you. Amen? Amen. So we're set free on purpose for purpose. Once again, manure, it smells and nobody wants to deal with it. But without it, things don't grow. And I'm just saying this that in some of your greatest pains in life, come on, God has brought you through those things for a purpose. And God wants to use that thing to be an encouragement and a blessing, you know what I mean, to other things. How in the world are you gonna lead somebody someplace that you've never been? Like literally, like listen, Bob, let's just say you're all bent up, twisted up inside, mad at the world, you know what I mean, shaking your fist at God all the time. But then all of a sudden, God creates a space and a place, you know what I mean, to help somebody else out. And you're just like, man, just trust God. See, that is a place where I think the word hypocrite would be a good, a good place to be used, right? It's like you don't even believe what you're saying about your, about your, for yourself, but you're telling me how good God is, Right? So God does these things, and he takes us through these things on purpose, for purpose. The way of Joseph is this. The way of Joseph led his family and, and, and the whole region, the, the whole area, 
in, in a place of, in a way of salvation and restoration, right? His family was saved and he was saved and many other people were saved. But fast forward several years, the way of Jesus restores all humanity which has fallen. Every single one of you, as good as you think you might be without the Lord, you are fallen and you're separate from God. Let me just be clear. Not everybody goes to heaven, right? Not everybody goes to heaven. Sometimes we think that everybody goes to heaven because it's easier, you know what I mean? But this is the deal. The Bible says that if you're not with me, Jesus says you're against me, right? And if you're not with me, that means that you're an enemy of mine. And so I just want you to know, like, like you might be having these highlighted opportunities where you're like, yeah, I got some conflict over there I need some help with, and I got some conflict over there and whatnot, but I'm telling you, without a proper relationship with Jesus, you have conflict with the creator of all creations, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if you are not under the blood of Jesus, meaning received him as Lord and personal Savior, asked him to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life to be Lord and Savior, then you have no part with him. The Bible says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. This is a very serious deal. And for us to expect to have wonderful, reconciled, beautiful relationships, come on, outside of the restored relationship with God who loves you and created you and has given his life for you, it's impossible, right? And so I think it would be crazy harsh of me not to give you an opportunity to receive the Lord right now. As wrong as we've done, as much sin as we've committed, as much hurt that we've created, Jesus says, listen, I love you anyways. Would you please just receive my gift of eternal life? Would you please just bow, would you bow a knee? Meaning, meaning would you humble yourself? Would you surrender your life to me? And that is the place that you're going to find the true meaning of life. He said, if you ask me to forgive you, I will forgive you. I will come into your life. I will fill you with my spirit. We will walk in unity. We will walk as a, as a, as a, as a couple throughout this thing called life. And it doesn't mean the hardships aren't going to come. But when they come, you're not alone. You might be surrounded with a bunch of people, but you also have me. You also have me, and you can count on me. Where other people come up short, I'll never come up short. So I'm just going to ask you just real quick, if there's somebody here, you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. How do you do that? You believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the only begotten of the Father, and you confess him with your mouth. You ask him to forgive you of your sins, and he is faithful and just to do so. It's that easy? No way. Yes, way. It's that easy. And that's the beginning of something that is absolutely beautiful that has happened in my life and several other people's lives in this place. If you pass without him, it will not be because you were not given an opportunity. And he didn't reveal himself probably thousands of times to you. You've denied him. If you pass if you, if you pass from this life rejecting him, you will have no place with him in heaven. And that's not to dance on your emotions. This is just the absolute truth of God's word. And so I'm asking you, if you want to receive the Lord just by slipping a hand in the air, if you want to put God first in your life, once again, you can do the same thing. Raise your hand. But if you would like to do that, just go ahead and slip it up right now. I want to pray for you right here. Thank you. Right here. Awesome. Anybody else in the back? Listen, we're bold about this, right? We have nothing to be ashamed of right here. Thank you so much. Anybody up top? Online, you can do the same right there. Listen, make this prayer your prayer, okay? It's a simple prayer. Just make it your own. Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for your word on this beautiful Mother's Day that has gone out to help us to have healthy conflict. Not to remove conflict, but to have healthy conflict. 
A lot of that has to do with just trusting in you and being led by you. But first of all, God, we've got to know you. We know that you've had your eye on us this whole time. But today, we become yours. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Please, Lord, forgive me of my sins, even the ones I'm unfamiliar with. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. I believe that you died on that cross for me. Today I receive salvation. I receive life. Not just good life here. The average person lives to about 74 for men. 78 I believe for women. I'm not asking for good life here. However, that's nice too. But I'm asking Lord for eternal life. Because I know that you've created a space and a place for everybody that knows you. That are called by your name. That receive you. That follow you that believe in you, that trust you. God, today I receive eternal life. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of everything that you've done. While I was yet a sinner, while I was disgusting, while I was filthy, while I was a mess, Jesus, you said, I know that Travis, and I'm dying for him just the way that he is because I see the potential that's in his life. I love him just the way he is. So God, we receive you. Come into our life. Forgive us of our sins. Be our Lord and Savior. What does that mean? That means that we trust that your direction for our life is better than our direction for our life. And any time that there's conflict in that area, let us handle it in a healthy manner by just trusting in you. Strengthen our faith, Lord. Help us to trust you more every single day. Strengthen our faith, Lord. I know it's going to be difficult, but help us to grow in you every single day. Strengthen our faith, Lord. Fill us with your spirit and grow us up in the same way that a child is born. Nine pounds, ten pounds. For some very large people, 11 and 12 pounds. But the thing is, is immediately they start to move, they start to develop, they start to eat, they start to grow. In the same way spiritually, Lord, we follow that model. We start to move, we start to develop, we start to eat, we start to grow. Thank you for that. Do a completed work in our life. We know that our time of seeing you face to face is drawing near, and I'm excited about that. I bless these people today, especially, God, the ones that have received you, made new commitments for you today. Thank you for that. Bless our moms today. I pray all these things today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.